Hi, and welcome to Mind the Millennial Gap. My name is Chris, and I'm an elder millennial. And my name is Jillian, and I'm a younger millennial. And together, we discuss topics from our viewpoints across the different ends of millennialism. And we are so happy to have you here with us. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jeej. Hey, Chris. Welcome back. Thank you so much. We, we, we missed you. Okay, can I just say, though, um, I got a text... On my way back from the little vacation I was on, um, that the Producer Ace episode was up. And when I got around to listening to it, I loved it. More Producer Ace episodes. He is a gem. You two are charming together. And we actually, I had a friend of the pod text and, and say the same things. So I agree. I like getting Producer Ace in front of a mic. We may or may not have thought up a new podcast for us. <laughs> um, it might take time for us to get there. Oh, love it. Your dynamic is so fun. So thank you, Producer Ace, for stepping in last week. Thank you, Chris, for another great episode, as always. And I'm happy to be back. <laughs> yeah, we're happy so for you say, to be back. Hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's more comfortable. It's so much more comfortable now. <laughs> oh... Well, how's it going? Um, I feel a little exposed oh, at the moment. Yes, for those of you not watching on YouTube, I would one hundred percent. Many of you are because I'm lazy and I haven't uploaded all the episodes. But continue. <laughs> I would recommend turning on YouTube for this episode in particular because we're not. I'm not in my normal sweatshirt and sweatpants, and Chris isn't in his normal. Sweatshirt and sweatpants. <laughs> Chris, do you want to explain our outfits for those of us that are listening to this before they change it to YouTube? Okay, here we go. Um, for those of you who don't recall, uh, Jillian was at the, was that opening weekend? Is that how you'd call it? Opening weekend, yeah. She was at the opening weekend of the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. That's right. I'm that good a partner. You are that good. <laughs> you got the whole thing right. Um, what a lot of you don't know is that Jillian gets a lot of fulfillment from um, crafting. So much. Potentially crafts that a fifth grader would do. <laughs> That's very fair. <laughs> like one time somebody tried to teach me how to crochet and I have never been worse at anything in my life. Like nothing that requires much skill other than like coloring and gluing. <laughs> so the question is, Gigi, did you have yep. your tickets before or after you thought about the outfit that you were going to wear to the Taylor Swift concert? I would say like right around the same time because like I I think the build up to getting tickets was so exciting, but there was like a lot of hesitation and a lot of like are we going to get tickets? It was I was someone who got a code. I felt very lucky. Within our friend group, we had a handful of people who were lucky enough to, to get a code. Um, but as we kept hearing, like, people weren't getting a code, all of these things. Like, even I had Loverfest tickets, which is why I think I was prioritized to get one. But even people who had that weren't getting codes. And it kind of became a bigger deal. And um, as it became a bigger deal, I was like, well, I'm not going to just wear, like, jeans and a t-shirt to what is a huge now life event for me what is like something that not everyone's going to get to for the see? record last episode everyone knows where this <laughs> yeah. ranks just okay so you know. I, yeah i have a correction for that after <laughs> um but yeah and i love i love lover era of taylor i love her wango tango outfit if you don't know it look it up it's rainbow fringe it's all the good things um and so i wanted to recreate it unfortunately i couldn't find anything close enough to it and I do not trust my skill with sewing. So I'm like the Midnight's Wango Tango girl. So for those who those folks who maybe are like myself and don't know much about Taylor Swift. Yes. Uh, Jillian looks like um, a mix between a Cowboys football cheerleader, a Texas high school drill team <laughs> member and a disco ball. <laughs> that is the perfect way to explain it. I'm wearing this like long sleeve one piece with like fringe that all, if I put my hands out straight, it almost touches the ground. And wrist, wrist to in, to inner arm, yes. all the way to the armpit yes. and fringe down to the ground, down to the ground, like wings. And then very like a, the top, the bodice is very sparkly. 
Okay, so. And has stars on it. What maybe some of you don't know is Jillian went, what would you call it, pre-viral? Yeah, like baby viral. Baby viral on TikTok with five seconds or less? Within a few days, yeah. But but five seconds of a clip? Yeah, probably like five seconds. All right, three to five seconds of a clip on TikTok. She just wanted to honor the outfit, honor the event, and show it off. What a lot of people don't know is uh, she obviously bought this. This is not um, created from scratch. No. But she spent 16 additional hours <laughs> blinging it out and making sure that every area that needed a sparkle got the sparkle it deserved. I did. I put a lot of love into this and I was so excited for the event. So my dear friend, Sophia, um, she is a like professional photographer. I've paid her to take pictures before. Professional photographer is the word. Yes. She is absolutely wonderful. Go Um, find her on Instagram. Yes. She has beautiful landscape photography. Her handle is the Sophia Lay. We have several of her prints in our house. Absolutely. She is not only the most wonderful human being to like walk the face of the earth, but she's extremely talented as well. Um, Yeah. So go support her. Go follow her. Go Go take a peek at her shop. She's got great stuff. Unsponsored. Unsponsored. <laughs> <laughs> but she was. Uh, she's one of my very, very wonderful best friends, and um, she was there at the concert. And I was like, "Can I? Can you take a picture of me?" I was so proud. Worked on this outfit. I know, like you wanted to see it, and so she was kind enough to take pictures. And she took just like a so quick little video outside the the Glendale Arizona Cardinal Stadium. Yeah, Gigi walks into frame turns once smiles and walks off that is the clip yeah Thirty thousand ish views yeah people had a lot to say about the fact that my butt was all the way out in the in the shot it's which true. i appreciate it's true thank you <laughs> thank so, you long story long here so, we come yeah, back sorry. around <laughs> for those of you who can't see we're dressed as taylor swift outfits tonight Woo! i am a midnight era in in general and chris is I, I don't know this era. I This is the story. This is the true story. I said, Jeej, I have a great topic for the next episode, but I can't tell you what it is because I need your genuine reactions to it. And then I also said, I think we would have a failed and missed opportunity if we didn't talk about your Taylor Swift experience as to not spoil anything for anyone, but honor what is the demographic that listens to this (laughs) podcast. Thank you everyone who listens. So I am, um, ballerina Taylor Swift. 20 years later, let herself go. (laughs) You are so cute. First of all. (laughs) And yes, you nailed that on the head. You are shake it off. From nineteen, is that what it is? You're the okay. shake it off one of the little swan ballerina dancers in it. I am the biggest <laughs> ballerina to have ever existed in a Taylor Swift video. You are stinking so cute. <laughs> I can't even get over it. I I am a little chubby and a white swan ballerina. You are at the so moment. cute. We will post a picture to our Instagram for those of you <laughs> who like to see it, but just trust he's adorable. Absolutely adorable. So here we are. So here we are. In the obligatory Taylor Swift episode. Yes. Yes. Um, I'm looking at you, Kate Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> God bless. Um, I, yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. I am very intimidated by talking about this. Probably the thing that I know most about everything we've ever talked about. And also the topic I'm most afraid to like approach so far. One of the most overused words in the current zeitgeist is passionate is my opinion my Mm, opinion only i won't push this on anyone else um that is not a misused word to describe jillian's affinity for taylor swift it's true it's true (laughs) but like we're gonna talk about it tonight it hasn't always been that way okay mostly that way (laughs) not always (laughs) okay so i read about a million think pieces on taylor whoa 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 T, time out. Yes. Time out. Yes. What's the most millennial thing that happened to you oh, last week? Oh, no. <laughs> Probably going semi-viral on TikTok from my butt being out. <laughs> How about you, Christopher? Oh, uh, most millennial thing that happened to me this week. Jeez. Um, I didn't give this any thought. I thought if I asked you the question, you wouldn't ask me back. No, no. <laughs> 
Um, rain check? Rain check. Okay, rain, rain check. Rain check is very fair. Okay, rain check this one. <laughs> oh, All right, okay. now we can jump in. Okay, okay. <laughs> so, very intimidated by this topic. There's a, I read about a bazillion think pieces on Taylor Swift. There's a lot of opinions. Love her, hate her, think she's overrated, think she's underrated, think that she's the most sincere songwriter ever walked the planet, think that it's all just fake and a guise, everything in between, right? So rather than kind of repeat a few of the think pieces, um, I wanted to talk us through kind of her eras so that you understand. And then we're going to finish with some thoughts on Taylor Swift as an artist. Does that sound good to you, Chris? I don't think I have a choice. Let's get this right started. (laughs) All right. So Miss Taylor Allison Swift (laughs) started putting albums out when she was just but a wee teenager growing up in Tennessee. Can I set the record straight here? Please do. Taylor Swift grew up in a very privileged part of Tennessee that her parents moved her to so that she could have a chance at whatever type of artistic career that she was looking for as a person who grew up in the metro, the the small metro area that is Nashville, Tennessee. Correct. This is something we'll talk about is kind of the background of Taylor <laughs> Did Swift not grow up in Tennessee. goes there. You're right. Her dad was a stockbroker. They lived, I think it was Connecticut or somewhere. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Thank you. And oh my goodness, you're such a Swifty. No. I'm a partner. You're so good. <laughs> I love you. Um, and then, yeah, her dad moved them all to Nashville, had the resources, had the ability to move everyone to Nashville when she started showing some promise. So definitely an important thing to point out is this girl is not without privilege. Um, and that frames a lot of her music and writing style and everything. Mm-hmm. She doesn't consider other sides sometimes. Um and she's not for everyone. And that is something that has become very clear. Even when people like here, I went to the concert, I get almost two reactions. One is people being like, oh my goodness, how did you get tickets? I'm so jealous. Or like, I can't wait. I'm going in Dallas this weekend. We see you, Emily. We see you, Emily. <laughs> um, or there are people who are like, oh, well, I'm not really a fan. You know, there's no one who's like, oh, okay, okay. Um, so like, yeah, a lot of, she's not everyone's tea. So if this is not your episode, it's okay. It's okay. Given our demographic, I don't know if this wouldn't be (laughs) hardly anyone else's episode. I don't know. Maybe everyone knows everything already. Okay. Fair enough. I can get behind that. Okay. We're going to start with my tutus writing up. Hold on. (laughs) Thank you. All right. There we go. We're going to start with. The first era. We're going to call this the eraless era because you can't really have an era when it's the only one you know. Um, are you okay? Oh, yeah. Sorry. My uh, feathery headband just needed to be repositioned uh, for those that listen. Well, you look great. Okay. Um, so this was the album called Taylor Swift. It was her debut album. It was very country. Do you remember, like, if I say, like, teardrops on my guitar? So I think that was my first um, brush by Taylor Swift. So uh, I am definitely, definitely, definitely a minority when it comes to those people who grew up in Nashville or the South generally. Um, I actually despise country music and uh, controversial, not like what it is. I'm not pushing this on anyone else. It is not my jam. It is not my vibe. I go a very different direction in the country. <laughs> <laughs> you do. So, <laughs> so suffice it to say, Taylor Swift was not in your so much like choice listening, but was she in, this was kind of in the days before there were like a lot of personal devices you could listen to, download and listen to your own music with. Was she like being played in stores? Um, like, I think it was mostly like uh, CMT. I don't even know if CMT is still around. Uh, country music television yeah. is like the MTV equivalent of country music. Yes. Um, I, I, I think she was getting like played on that and like forced into my reality. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't have a choice uh, in Nashville at all. And so, yeah, I recall the like awkward teenager cuddling a, a guitar on a bed and singing sad songs about I don't know anything about life breakups. Interesting. Okay. Okay. I like that viewpoint because I too have that same memory of the teardrops on my guitar music video and two things came to mind. I was like, I love her and I want to be her. 
and I get it. Like I understand. I've had my own druze in my life. I know what it's like. But to what be year was that? I'm trying to place it. Do you do you recall? I think it was 2006. 2006. Yes. Okay. Yes. I was definitely in, in a very different world of music then. <laughs> oh yeah, because you were you were in college by that point, weren't you? Mm-hmm. I was. Oh gosh. Fourteen, so it was exactly my kind of music, right? You're just starting to feel those first, like oh, like funny heartbreak moments. Um, and in a lot of ways, you'll see, like I kind of grew up being around the same age as Taylor, so she's about three years older than me. Okay. Um, but like all the experiences kind of fall into there. So yeah, I remember very much the teardrops in my guitar music video and the country twang, and. My personal experience of that album was just one absolute infatuation with it. And two, my sister got it for me for Christmas that year. And she is way younger than me. She's four years younger than me. So she was like nine. She did not have that kind of funds to go buying Christmas, like CDs for a Christmas present. Um, And I love that. I love that, like, somehow she finangled her way into that and it meant so much to me and I think we were talking about this recently I think I still have it which if you know you know that means I have the original recording of a song that has now been changed a little bit that's right yeah yeah Yeah. man that I won't take us down this direction but here's a question for everyone yeah how many people still own CDs from way back when of their favorite songs that they don't ever get out of a CD case anymore ooh I know I own a couple. I know I own a couple of mixtapes people have given me. I know I have a CD case in a box somewhere still. Really? Yeah. What's in your CD case? Oh, a lot of punk rock. That's adorable. Did you have a favorite one that was like on repeat? Oh, I I don't want to take away from this episode. We can definitely do a music episode. Okay. But yeah, my uh my I was very misplaced. I was very into um Southern California punk rock was was a lot of what I listened to growing up. That's adorable. And then it, uh, like, elevator, that just turned into elevator music, and it just gets heavier and heavier and heavier through my life. (laughs) (laughs) We love it. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's dive in. Okay. So, that was debut era. Okay. We now move to Fearless Era, Chris. This is songs like love story how how did how let me wait one second yeah uh as not a fan yeah how did that album even do because like the the there is a lot there's a lot of famous female country stars so for for me i can appreciate people who make great music generally i i do not uh despise the people who choose what their artistic direction is at all country's just not for me but having grown up in nashville there are a lot of famous female country stars and probably more famous female country artists per capita than there are in any other genre that is relatively mainstream. How does she fare against like the Shania Twain fame? So, like the old school, like Winona Judd or, um, Oh, I can't think of, uh, the lovely redheaded lady. Reba. Reba. Yes. We love Reba. Yeah. Um, I don't have those numbers in front of me, Chris. Okay. So I cannot quote to you, but I do. Well, know she is success on her was, debut album. She was, she was a success. Okay. But Fearless they, was her number one album until past reputation albums and albums later. Okay. I don't even know how many albums she has. She has 10. She's been busy. She has been busy. Okay. Keep going. So. <laughs> Um, so this album had some staying power. I, I loved it. Do you recognize Love Story? It's a love story. I'm not going to sing it to you. Uh, no, I don't. I'm no. Sorry. Okay. That was it, a great album. Um, it was, th- the era of it was kind of like fairy tale. There was a lot of butterflies. It was like light. It was wispy. This is when she's dating Joe Jonas. This is when she's kind of like America's little sweetheart. People are just enthralled by this like skinny blonde girl is she still writing her own music at this point or is this always yes she gets help (laughs) she writes her own music is this where like the brand and all the people that handle her and the control starts or is it later it's a little bit later all right thank you you're like queuing all these things up though really well 
so this album was a success um, as well, obviously, like, a really long-term success. And interestingly enough, it was the first one she re-recorded when she did her re-records. So for the three men that listen to this and don't understand, um, I think everyone's familiar with music rights. Generally, and masters, um, because there are people, there are artists that sells there. So uh, Justin Timberlake recently sold his for an ungodly amount of money. Uh, Michael Jackson bought the entire Beatles discography out from underneath them. Like it's a thing that's happened for decades and decades. And Taylor found herself in the same scenario where she didn't own her masters; she couldn't get them back. They were sold to her enemy. <laughs> She couldn't get them back, and so she chose to create new masters. Is that the scenario? Correct. Okay. She did it. She did it in a way where she wasn't like breathing new life into them so much as it was almost a beat by beat re-record. Reset. So it stripped away any old any value of the old stuff, which I think is brilliant if you ask me like a brilliant petty move i personally would have liked a little flair on some of the songs like had them be a little bit more mature but you know my apologies i am notorious (laughs) for just like whipping you around with topics on this podcast i'm sorry (laughs) it is okay okay so that was that's the the fearless era in my mind it's a little forgettable in comparison to everything else but it really is lovely and it's just sweet you're young you're in love are you majority that thinks that way i'm sorry this is all for the for the record y'all i know taylor swift only through being partners with jillian you are excellent and so i don't know all of the answers i'd say from my observation of seeing like um social media posts about people dressing as their eras or Mm -hmm. kind of around the Taylor Swift like zeitgeist fearless is like it's a great album but it's no one's like favorite really perfect that's what I wanted to know thank you yeah okay so then we move to one of my favorite eras of her and this is the speak now era um Chris I am betting you don't know any songs off of this one maybe enchanted um if you don't listen to it frequently, I do not know it. Okay. Okay. I Fair I know enough. the 10 minute episode <laughs> um, song that is revolved around Jake Gyllenhaal yes. very well. Yes. Okay. <laughs> okay. We are now in the speak now air. <laughs> Man, I'm struggling. This we are, a, we're purple. We're really purple. We're wearing these like poofy ball gowns. There is glitter everywhere. Um, and then this is when some of her albums just, or some of her songs, like you're starting to piece together who they're about. This is when, I, I don't know if you know this, Chris, in her album liners. Do you know what an album liner is? Um, In like a CD case, yeah. like the little paper, yeah. like fold out pamphlet-y. Mm-hmm. It has art and lyrics and other stuff yes yeah so in there she would hide she would like capitalize letters throughout her lyrics so to this spell is a where the easter egg yes. subliminal yep stuff starts happening and she'd really started it since like it had been there since debut but this is when it started picking up and you started being able to put together things a little bit more maybe things she wasn't like super talking about in public or maybe the things she was talking a little bit too loud about in public um and you started almost like being able to match the songs and some of the hidden messages to the um like to the the person that they're about this album is meaningful in particular in in like um in one very important way that I want to talk about to how the world started seeing Taylor Swift. This album's a little bit poppier than everything else. Um, and it is also immediately after her Kanye West VMA moment. Chris, do you know, what do you know about that? I actually um, watched that. And so that was scripted, not scripted. I personally believe almost everything on TV is relatively scripted now at this point. And so it was a major, it was all these award ceremonies have like a hundred awards, but only two of them, three of them at most really matter when it comes down to it. So I don't know if it was song of the year, album of the year, whatever it was, video of the year. And she's up there, barely started a speech. Uh, 
probably the first red flag of Kanye's irrational behavior-ish. Gets up on stage, pushes her away from the mic-ish, and uh, makes his plea uh for a recount and that beyonce should have won that award which let's be real those two are neck and neck for the most in demand uh female artists yes and i think like flip a flip a coin ish right again i don't listen to their music exclusively flip a coin those ladies have been relevant for decades they continue to make good art it's anyone's like trophy honestly in a year yeah yeah and i think kanye um when later he he was able to talk about it a little bit more like the reasons he wanted to kind of bring attention to it were there was some validity to it right he was trying to make a statement about the inherent racism within award shows um and there was a different approach he should have taken with that um but one thing it did was it brought people who never would have been aware of Taylor Swift would have never listened to Taylor Swift to all of a sudden knowing about this girl that is transitioning out of kind of a small stream country music to a bigger pop transition. She did the Shania Twain formula. I am not familiar enough with Shania Twain. Shania Twain. (laughs) Beautiful Canadian lady found her way to Nashville singing about um, maybe cheating one night stands and boots and beds to... (laughs) very poppy almost not even a country undertone of music like she paved that way is my opinion i can see what you mean there right sure yeah so all of a sudden all these people are learning like learning who this is and all of a sudden she's a little bit more mainstream so this starts to bring in kind of the discussion this is the first era we're where we have a discussion of like taylor swift as an artist and maybe not Taylor Swift is your very best friend that is saying everything that you've ever felt in your head and it feels transcendental wishing she was writing you notes and passing them to you in the hallway because exactly, that's how <laughs> it, that's kind of how the relationship felt before and one thing that really encouraged that was she was so on social media um, she was like on Tumblr. She was making comments on people's posts. She was really connecting with fans in ways that weren't super done in country music at the time. Um, and so she had a loyal fan base. And now more people are reviewing her. And the eras kind of took took birth from there. So Speak Now is where we have like, okay, we definitely transition our style. We transition kind of the themes of the album. Is this where she entrenches like the brand? Is this the, the like true like foundation of what the Taylor brand is? So my vibe is that happens in the next era. Okay. But I think because I think she was still experimenting, like, will people follow me into pop a little bit here? Gotcha. Yeah. So some of my favorite songs on this album are Haunted. I remember oh my gosh. Woo, this takes me back. So there was I was a freshman in college when this album came out and I loved it obviously um but there's a song on there called haunted and i remember just like being forlorn about a boy that i truly do not remember his name anymore (laughs) (laughs) and i can like see his face i don't know what his name is um he was from tabiona utah though i remember that fact you said it every three seconds weirdest weirdest small town people no it was like a talent (laughs) 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 but like being forlorn and like laying on my bed and listening to it and my roommate getting visibly annoyed with how many times I played the song in a row. Um, yeah, I love Better Than Revenge. I think it's a boppy little pop. I love Enchanted. I do not believe it's about the guy from Owl City like they say it is. Um, yeah, so a great a great album. And then, Chris, do you know what comes next? Uh, I truly don't, just so you know. Okay. <laughs> Then we transition into what I think creates her brand, solidifies her brand, Red. Is she still writing all of her music at this time? Okay, sorry. So speak now. The album before, she's very proud of because she wrote every word of that herself. Okay. So she does. She writes her own music, Chris. She just gets help. There's producers. There's people involved. There's other writers. There's Bon Iver, for God's sake. We love it. (laughs) I feel a bit... um, So... 
having grown up in Nashville, a lot of very, very, very talented people come to Nashville to try to get their break. It is not L.A. It is not New York. (laughs) It's Nashville. (laughs) But a lot of very talented people come there and you watch them try to break in. And it's a very difficult, difficult industry to break into. And they end up just writing songs for other people. And it breaks my heart (laughs) to say this is the pinnacle of your career is making someone else look better and someone else singing your art. So I think I maybe see it a little bit different than she writes her own songs. She might give direction. She might participate. She might just sing someone else's song is kind of where I sit too. Agree to disagree. That's absolutely fine though. And I hope... I hope that at least in one case, some Nashville person has been brought in to do this with her. Fabulous. That'd be fun. Okay. I forget which era we're in. Which era are we in? Red, I believe. Red. Thank okay. you. Okay, Chris, you definitely know songs from here. Um, Not by like title name. Sorry. This is, this is where your favorite 10 minute ballad comes in on the re-record. You're kidding. No. It was that it. recently? It was, okay, so... No, this isn't the re-record. This is the original that didn't have the 10-minute. The original had the four-and-a-half-minute version. Please be proud of me, all 40 listeners. Seriously. Be so so proud. (laughs) Yes, this is State of Grace. This is is Red, obviously. This is some, like, really light, boppy stuff. Still a little bit of twang, um, but more powerful beats. Kind of a little bit more rocky feel you're definitely like noticing a big shift in music and in my mind this is where her storytelling comes alive like think about all too well i walk through the doorway the air was cold but something about it felt like home somehow don't you just feel like you can see that in your mind for the record i listen to music that has words that are very difficult to hear (laughs) and listen to so like my ear is trained to like appreciate all the sound of the music and i don't necessarily like dive into the words very much (laughs) so yeah i I don't uh, find myself latched into the story even when i okay well it's a great story (laughs) (laughs) um but this is like she's telling you story she's like creating this character and she's putting herself in like the driver's seat of it right like you're imagining the this is a very tangible person going through these very real experiences that are drawn so fully and artistically and emotionally for you. Um, I, I love Red. I think it's a great album. Um, it is, I think that this is aroundish the time. Nope, that's the next era. Just kidding, just kidding, just kidding. Yeah. Um, so I, I loved, I loved Red era, Taylor Swift. I think for a while I was like, oh, it's not my favorite album, but like going back and listening to it, it's a bop for sure. It's very, it feels like fall, feels like pumpkin spice lattes. It's great. I'm sorry. I was laughing at the trope that is pumpkin spice lattes. Thank you. And I think like that's kind of what it is. It's like basic bitch fall is the red album. (laughs) You're like the whole aesthetic was like obviously red and brown and greens it looked like fall she was wearing like these caps and turtlenecks and like what is that plaid um there's a scarf prominently mentioned in one of the songs the scarf so it was like like a comfy cozy era okay comfy, cozy i can get behind that christian girl so so it smells just like. like a uh general candle store yes it does smell okay like a that is exactly <laughs> exactly what it is Alrighty. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> For the record, this is kind of fun. This is, <laughs> I'm glad I'm like struggling so hard. Okay. Then we move to the next era. And this is where, like, I need to put a little disclaimer. She took her music off Spotify. I lost track of her for a minute. Um, I was a. I. Could, Did she not like the profit sharing with Spotify? What was the general Mm -hmm. theme there? That was it. It was like you don't pay artists nearly enough Uh. for a stream. And so she removed her stuff from Spotify. She also, um, I I don't remember if she removed her stuff from Apple or she like wrote a scathing letter to them about not giving artists shares in the 30-day free trial of Apple Music. And Apple like capitulated completely. So for... um, 
information only yeah with this comment um i am 75 years old when i sit in my car and drive anywhere because i do listen to npr yes you do and exclusively just npr in the car (laughs) they ran a whole segment this morning about they had no clue how streaming artists get paid (laughs) like streaming artists don't know or like npr doesn't npr had no clue they had no clue on what the economics of a streaming artist were everyone at npr npr as an entity was like we don't know let's be real there's a lot less people at npr now than there were about a month or two ago because they had to lay people off um but they created their own record album nice and they went and found uh artists from the 70s that had a semi uh popular song and they signed him so that they could sit there and do this experiment. I love it. And they re-released their song. It's called Inflation. I forget the name of the gentleman in the band that that wrote it. It was a, it was a little bit funky. Ooh. Um, they released it on Spotify. It got over a million listens. And they just waited for the first like payout to happen. Okay. The artist okay was paid about eleven hundred dollars for over a million listens eleven hundred eleven hundred one thousand one hundred dollars roughly okay so they did the math and he made approximately a sixth of a penny for every listen on spotify and they as the record label actually get paid as well okay but instead of a pay-per-click type thing they actually get paid per volume ratio and so of all of the listens over the pay period for that time okay all of the songs listened to they get a cut of essentially ad revenue whatever that is for that period of time they did this experiment when Taylor Swift actually released her Midnight's album. So that obviously they were just crushed in yes. ratio of listens. They got 300 ish dollars. Oh, wow. I just thought that was an interesting that tidbit. And this is why I listen to NPR. Support your local NPR station, everyone. Do support your local <laughs> NPR station. That is adorable. But also, yeah, like that makes sense. I wonder on average how much an artist was getting paid per album sold and like what those numbers equal out to uh you'd be surprised artists make money selling tickets and almost nothing else interesting the record labels take all the risks so they take a lot of album sales profits i would like you to talk about this on a future episode all right sounds great everything about this okay back back to it sorry for the side note i thought it was interesting closing out the red album and we're jumping into 1989 protesting technology protesting technology this okay. is and this is where i got lost because she was not on spotify um there is okay i this thing piece that i have pulled up in front of me i thought i love this quote they said swift didn't really make the cultural jump from guilty pleasure to pleasure until her next album 1989 that is someone's opinion but let's keep going it is somebody's <laughs> opinion but it's almost you're like oh that makes sense because like for a long time it was like little girls listen to taylor swift taylor swift is for like the nerdy girls they like the people that can't catch a break the people that are so in their feelings right cool cool girls aren't listening to taylor swift so if i hear correctly Taylor was mainstream country emo? Um, no, maybe, no, but she just wasn't, like, cool. She was just, like, a little kiddish. No. Like, I don't know. I, my brain isn't there right now. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um. Where was I? <laughs> we, we, we left Spotify behind us in the dust. Okay. Taylor oh, yeah. is about to become This is where she becomes a non-emo kid. To pleasure. Yes. And people are like, yeah, I listen to Taylor Swift and I like it. To me, this album felt Which a one's this one again? 1989, which This includes, is the Polaroid one. Yes, this is the Polaroid one. Kay. This is the Shake It Off one. Um Oh, my outfit. Your outfit. Yeah. Your outfit. Still sitting in it. Still feel chubby. Keep going. You're so cute in it. <laughs> but she had some like bangers on there, but it all felt like a little too produced poppy. I was like, uh, I don't know. It's not my favorite. Now going back and listening to it, like to me, the magic are in the the bonus tracks 
which are like Wonderland, which I've listened to about a million and 12 times in front of you. Um, I'm so sorry. State, not State of Grace. Um, New Romantics is a wonderful song. Like, ugh, bonus tracks, everything. But it just felt a little like cold and impersonal to me. Like not kind of like the Taylor Swift I grew up with that poured her heart out in these lyrics. Do you think this was because she was actually having a happy spell in her life? I, I have, I know Taylor Swift comes with many theories. Yes. And me sitting in a car and listening to Taylor Swift with you, I come up with my own and you've heard this one before. Yes. I think she manufactures her own drama so that she has content to write songs about. Okay, so I think she I think there's Taylor the person and then Taylor the persona, and I think Taylor the persona absolutely has manufactured drama. Okay, thank and you. relationships and things to write songs about. Yep. Um, this era is like when she's in her girl gang era, when she just surrounded herself by beautiful people and had all these big parties, and said, "Hey, you guys are all just so mean to me about um, writing these songs about boys." wink um (laughs) i'm shaking my head for those who can't see it (laughs) but um what you're missing here is like i'm not like i'm not one to be messed with i'm not to be reduced to this so she's like you're not gonna see me with other boys you're not gonna like do these things to me anymore um so yeah it was a lot of girls girl gang carly Kloss was there um Gigi hadid was there there was lena dunham was there for some reason i don't think any of us understand um i'm shaking my head i don't know these people but i'm just shaking okay, my head fair enough fair enough so she was in this girl gang um and it was it was a little bit of a weird era looking back with our 2023 eyes 2020 2016 taylor was like maybe not in peak form for what she's come out that she stands for today right it was a turbulent year for the united states she didn't say anything about in support of a candidate of a candidate or a non-support of another one um she's received a lot of flack for that and i think rightfully so um especially considering that the statement she's taken today um and it would have, I think, meant a lot for for things. But she also had to consider, like, she didn't want to alienate. She started in country music, and she didn't want to alienate. She has a brand. It makes money. It's a tough yeah. thing to balance. Yeah. And I think there's also a conversation to be had about her girl gang and um, the kind of the the uninclusive feminism that that presented. It's just conversations to be had. We think about it a little bit differently now, but it is a it is a real era of hers. Is this the era of the Katy Perry spat? Yes, it is. Okay, thank you. You are, yes. Yes, it is. Um, good job. <laughs> I'm like very impressed Again, with you. all things I've picked up by just being your partner for four years. Yes, the Katy Perry <laughs> song is in the next album, but this is the era of okay. the like, Katy Perry like fights and stuff. Yeah. So, 1989's there. It's very poppy. There's, like, no going back. Is that the year she's born? What's significant about that year? Yeah, that is the year she's born. Okay, thank you. Okay, so then we're heading into our our next era. And she has, like, locked down her aesthetics for eras at this point, right? Like, 1989 was very... It was, like, Americana. It was, like, the Polaroid. It was, like, we're just here to party. Um... It was just boppy girl, boppy girl outfits. It's it's a well-known formula that continually works. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, and so, moving into the next era, there is a theory that I believe that she was going to release a different album that got released. May or may not have been Karma, called Karma. It may or may not have been broken up into subsequent albums. It may or may not be the next album we get. I don't. These are questions that might not ever be answered. However, so are we about to talk about an album that never was? No, I'm okay. just saying that that album, we might never know what happened to it, if it existed at all. But instead, we had a huge, probably the most damaging PR event to her that has ever that has happened to this point. Christy, you know what I'm going to talk about? Bringing back a character from, from what we talked about a little bit before. No, I again, I know some, not all. What are we doing? Kim cancels Taylor party. Kim Kardashian? Kim Kardashian. Oh. Are you familiar with the story? No. Okay. No. So Kanye has a song called Famous, 
And in it, one of his lyrics is, I might still sleep with Taylor Swift. I made that bitch famous. Um, and Taylor's camp came out and said, hey, we didn't know he was going to use those words. Uh, we are not in favor of that message. Just wanted you to know. And remember, this is they've they have this like kind of big past, and they seem to have made amends over the years. Kanye like sends her a box of roses at some point. She says some nice things about him at some point. So they appear to have like reached kind of an okay point. He says this. She says, "I do not agree with the message." Kanye comes back and says, you absolutely did. And Taylor says, no, I would never. Kim Kardashian has Snapchat footage of Taylor Swift on the phone with Kanye approving it. So she drops that footage to the world. And all of a sudden, Taylor Swift's reputation like takes a huge hit, right? She's not the, the sweet girl from next door. She's someone that's been caught lying publicly. And this is when reputation is born and this is when we see an absolute complete change in her brand and really i think something that has changed her from an artist that up to this point was like semi-genuine into more of a corporate machine that puts a lot of herself in there i imagine she has a goal now i imagine after a handful of albums that sell at a level that people can't even dream about all the handlers came in way before that. All the branding managers came in way before that. And we don't give everyone the credit that actually helped push her in a direction. And I probably agree with you. There's probably a catalyst of her being like, mm -mm, you guys can't keep making me this uh, Americana apple pie bubblegum chewing yeah. kid. Right. And it's yeah. like, I'm, I'm, She's probably well into adulthood, like age-wise at this point. She's in her twenties or mid-twenties. I wonder if she didn't reorganize some of the uh, the t the business team that is the Taylor Swift brand she at that point. She did fire her business team, correct, and hire Tree Pain, who is her publicist. That, uh, For the record, I had no clue of this information. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think she did that between Red and 1989. Okay. And 1989 was a very strong era, like as far as aesthetics, as far as like singularity, as far as like look, taste, feel. Mm -hmm. And and she she's Beyonce level at that point. She makes the album itself. Yeah, yeah. There's no question about it, right? Yep. Okay, continue, please. Now she is like being blasted on all social media. She is her reputation is hey, taking a big hit. Man, America. Boy, they love schadenfreude, don't they? They do. They do. And so this is when we see another big a big shift in her. Um, she deletes every post from her social media. And all of a sudden you lose like almost complete access. Like empty to her. accounts or no accounts at all? Empty accounts. Okay, thank you. Um you, you, people are losing access to her as far as interviews. Paparazzi is losing access to her as far as where they can find her. And she almost goes undercover at this point. And that's when I think we is this like karma. Childish Gambino goes to Kauai for a while to go find himself and get away from it all type of thing. Well, she was, she'd been publicly kind of like, I don't know what the word is humiliated for being caught okay and so she was just gone for a little she bit she had to walk away from that shame yeah walk it off got it yeah. or shake it off as shake, i'm doing right now or shake it off as you're doing right now. <laughs> but instead she comes back with we get the aesthetics of a snake like that's the first instagram post is like it's this like snake slithering through um like through her instagram a video and it's just there's more snakes and we have entered the reputation era, which is a favorite era among people. It is one of my very favorite eras ever. Um, do you think it is, do you think it's relatable because people are just growing up with her and she cost a, she cast a pretty broad net that catches a lot of people as she grows up too? I think so, but I think there's also like 10 year olds now that love Taylor Swift, right? Like she's kind of timeless, but she does walk you through like all those phases in life that you seem to hmm. come across. Okay, all right. 
So we're in a reputation era, and obviously she named it reputation because she had just suffered a huge reputation and everything. And I had no her, clue that happened. Keep going. What? I had no clue any of this existed. Yeah. And so her her whole aesthetic is like this dark kind of like grungy, almost like Gotham superhero, a lot of leather. She goes bleach blonde for a second. She's wearing these like dark, harsh lipsticks. Um and one thing I love about her is you can almost tell what era she's in, what album she's promoting by the way she's dressing. And this one is really strong and just, oof, it's perfect, in my opinion. I love it. Um, and the album itself is flawless. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I laughed so hard my feathers came <laughs> off my head. <laughs> Sorry, keep going. <laughs> It is when I think of a flawless album it is not Taylor Swift. That they thank you. Sorry for the pause. <laughs> Reputation is like cover to cover. There's no skips in it. I love this album. My personal opinion is that it is the loveiest album on in her entire discography. Like period. Wow, we couldn't be mind the millennial gap further apart on this one. Really? Oh. Nirvana, never mind. Best album ever made. Flawless. Yes. Let's keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> but in her liner note, she says something to the um, something to the extent of if you're looking for what men these songs belong to, you're not gonna find anything. There'll be slideshows of people trying to connect these songs to different men. And you'll all be wrong. So she's kind of building a wall between herself and her fans now, right? She's saying, I am letting you in, but not all the way in. You okay. get to see what parts of you I create for you. Okay, so this is where almost the phenomenon that I didn't know existed before I met you of the cryptid that is Taylor Swift. Yes, Exactly, because she was so open. She was liking things on Tumblr. She was giving comments. She was saying no as Becky. And um, it's it, this is when we lost like the ability to really see and know what was going on, if we ever did. Now, we didn't even have the illusion of it. Um, and exactly, we start to... She's a little bit more mysterious. We're starting to wonder. That there are sightings, but no, nothing proven. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Cryptid. in my opinion, <laughs> Reputation is a love album. It's the sweetest love album she's ever created. I love it. Um, and the aesthetic is strong and very in contrast. So you're not, it's like her, you think it's one thing based on the outside, but it's not. It's a whole different thing when you look into it. What it would be like to not work and actually let my brain be creative. <laughs> You'd be good at it. You're really creative. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Yeah. Reputation. Reputation. Flawless album. Flawless album. I probably have more people disagree that listen to this podcast. <laughs> I'm not saying it's like the most flawless. No, I'm saying disagree with me. I think a lot of oh. people actually agree with you. <laughs> it's a great album. Okay. Okay. And then we're 2019. We are in our lover era now. Sorry. I know it's taking a long time. I'm wrapping. I'm trying to move through the later eras faster. Okay. Okay. So this is a lover era. This is like so the the album before that is Reputation. loving in nature. Yes, it's like the sweetest. And she doubles love down on loving. Okay, so she releases this album called Lover. Has such bops as me, which I don't think anybody likes. Um, and you need to calm down, which I personally love. Shade never made anybody less gay. Is what a beautiful line. She and this is she's taking a stance. She that. Um, it's a, it's a, like a pride anthem. It's a great song. Okay. Um, yeah. And it's just the whole album is like very boppy. Cornelia Street's on there. Oh, you know oh that's a great song. Cornelia I like Street. that song. Cruel Summer. I don't, I, I, I don't recognize it by title. Just to keep you. Yeah. Um, Lover's on there and you know that song makes me cry every single time <laughs> because I think of the apartment I lived in. Yeah. I think this Lover is where... I meet Jillian. Yeah, love her. And I tell people, this is my favorite album in her discography. And I think because it's so closely tied with Chris. Um, but it is, it's a beautiful album. In my opinion, it is not a love album. It's like a heartbreak album. 
when you listen to like the words and kind of the message and the through lines I think she was going through like a heartbreak at the time um when she wrote it and dressed it up in cotton candy colors all right so the persona that is Taylor Swift was heartbroken no I think the actual so less Taylor contrived Swift was genuine heartbroken and tried to dress it up a little bit okay yeah so Gotta be tough for the kids. Gotta be tough for the kids. So we go from like rainbows, sunshines, unicorns, pride parades, all of the fun and wonderful things that is lover. And then the pandemic hits. And then we are inside. And then we are sad. And we don't know the state of the world. And this is where I meet Kate Kennedy and directly through you. you. Kate Kennedy, yes. Because Kate Kennedy is doing... PowerPoint presentation parties that you were like, I'd rather watch this than do something with you tonight. Thank you. I'll be back to you when this is over. (laughs) I love you. Thank you (laughs) for letting me do that. Yes. So we're in quarantine. We are scared. The state of the world is unknown. We want any sort of escape from who we are. And she puts out two albums. I'm lumping them together. I know people hate when that happens. I'm doing it. Folklore and Evermore. They're like these albums. She says she writes them about like imaginary tales. I think some of that is true. I think some of them are about her. Beautiful, woodsy, witchy, wonderful, acoustic-y sounding, kind of more light and airy um, mm, okay. albums. And then... Surprise of the century. Taylor accepts some award and casually mentions that she's releasing a new album, Midnight's. This era is a mix between like kind of 70s aesthetic and this like glittery star, beautiful celestialness. It is absolutely wonderful. I think it's a gorgeous album. Very obsessed with listening to it. Have been nonstop listening to it for forever. Um, but I think it represents still, we're still in this removal of Taylor Swift as an accessible character to us. Um, and as I was kind of thinking about it in my own relationship with her, I, I thought about the ups and the downs where I came in, where I came out. And I realized I kind of dipped out of it when I didn't feel as connected to her. And I think that's her real power as an artist and why there's so many people trying to buy tickets, trying to see her is because, um, she puts words to the small emotions and um, every day, she makes the like every day feel magical and feel special and you feel seen and heard. Um, and I think that it is absolutely beautiful and a talent. Um, and so I'm very glad she's back. I'm very glad that like through it all, she she made it here i'm very grateful i got to see her i'm so grateful for all the girls i went with it was the most fun time um i wanted to close this out with just a quote from this thing piece that i'll link um and they said songs aren't failings but they can induce them they're not memoirs though they can be about real people they're works of art Whatever happened between Taylor Swift and Jake Gyllenhaal is long over. The persona she assumes on the stage is one of the song, not her actual feelings. That devalues nothing. Um, And when when gossip about her is not even a fate memory, and in some future when Taylor Swift is a grand dame of music, like Dolly Parton or Stevie Nicks, people will still put on all too well and sing their hearts out at it. Because... Well, the gossip may have brought you here. The art is why you stay. Do you think she's too good for a Vegas residency in the sunsetting of her career like so many famous people do? I don't think she would ever do it. Like there are big, big names that go do residencies and there are medium sized names that get residencies, too. I think she is so devoted to her her art and the creativity and everything that it, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be a thing. I could be wrong. Maybe we'll see Taylor Swift in Las Vegas in 2040. I hope not. I hope she's still putting out albums and touring. I'll go cheer them on. I don't know how long you can have uh, man problems for. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're we're all human beings. I guess you could have them forever, but <laughs> I don't know how much you could keep making music off of man problems. And this is uh, this is you're saying exactly what was one of the discourses about her for so long she tried to get away from like the 
the trope of like her just writing about her like boyfriend breakups but that image still persists in so many ways oh people connect to that people i mean um rarely does a human being have one relationship only yeah right yeah. so um i actually just saw myself on the screen you look adorable i look like a chubby jason momoa in a ballerina oh my outfit goodness, i love Jason Momoa and you. <laughs> Two great things. Okay, just to close it out, Christopher, what okay. era are you in after now learning about all the eras? Um, I don't think I connect with any of the Taylor Swift branded eras. I think I'm currently in my um, exhausted American era. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> I'm here. I'm still doing it. But there's got to be something a little better than this. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't think we got to that era. <laughs> Sorry, next time. <laughs> but uh, overall, you know, still still happy. Um, life's staying good with you, Jeej. Love you. Thank you for letting me. So I think I didn't mention this. And if you made it this far, thank you for the, the three Bravo, of you that listen truly, all the way through. I am not in fine form tonight. <laughs> I told Jillian I did uh if we did a Taylor Swift episode, she had to wear her outfit. And then I was like, I'm going to look relatively out of pr- place. Should I get an outfit? And I don't think I finished the sentence. I think you cut me off. Probably. And you were like, "Yes, can I get it for you?" <laughs> and I said, "Absolutely because I don't know Taylor Swift." You look wonderful. I'm happy we've got the obligatory Taylor Swift episode out of the way. I hope everyone enjoyed themselves and came along for the ride of the discography that is Taylor Allison the Swift. Eras. <laughs> yes. they're, they're, they're albums. The, 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 let, let's not get this too twisted. <laughs> Anything for the people, Jeej? No. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye. Truly, 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 we appreciate <laughs> all of you. So thank you very much. Jeej, bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>